0: Okay, so we know that Saul was the first king of Israel, and all the people were super excited to have Saul as their king, because they hoped that he would save them from their enemies, the Philistines. But Saul deliberately disobeyed God, and so God would have to find another man to be king, a better man than Saul. And God said to the prophet Samuel, go to the house of Jesse in Bethlehem. Remember where they live? They live in Bethlehem. Because I'd chosen one of his sons to be the king. So Samuel turned up at Jesse's house, and he, and he asked to see all of his sons. And when he first saw the eldest son, Eliab, He said, surely this has to be the future king. Because Eliab was tall and he was impressive looking and he looked like he might make a good king. Do you think God chose Eliab to be king? No, he didn't. He didn't. God said to Samuel, don't look at his height or his appearance. Those things aren't so important. People look at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. So, I want you to pretend that you've never seen me before. You don't know anything about me, okay? But there are certain things that you can tell just by looking at me, aren't there? So, uh, start with an easy one. Am I male or female? Male. Okay, good. I know this uh, Alb looks a little bit like a dress, but uh, (laughs) it's very easy to tell that I'm a man. So, what color is my hair? Okay, well that, <laughs> that is that is very accurate. G- g- grey, brown, and yes, that, children are very observant, aren't they? I didn't I didn't think I had that much grey hair, but you're right. I do have some grey hairs. So grey, brown, excellent. Um, how tall am I? Am I tall, short, or medium? Short. Sure. Short. Again. Again, that's pretty accurate. Could we here in short, medium? I'd say I'm sort of on the short side of medium. You're very, you're very accurate with this. I wasn't expecting this. Okay, let's let's try, let's try a trickier one. Just by looking at me, how much do you think I weigh in kilograms? Fifteen billion tons. Fifteen billion tons. Now I need it in kilograms. So <laughs> how, million ma- million? how many? Yeah. One hundred. That... Yeah, Anyone else? <laughs> uh, 60, huh? 89. Yeah. No, no, no. Okay, you're getting nine. there. About yeah, Five yeah, nine. 80, nine. 80 something, 80 nine. something. Nine. Okay, stop, stop, stop. Okay, nine. okay. Nine. that's nine. my head spinning. That's a, as many guesses as my, as I can compute. Like, so we had everything from about 30 kilos to 60 billion tons. So uh, somewhere in the middle of there, but generally you can you can tell. So when a per, when God looks at a person. When God looks at a person, does he see more or less than we do? More! More, he does, he sees more. Of course God sees all the same things that we do. He sees our outward uh, appearance. But God is not so interested in our outward appearance. God is more interested on what's on the inside. Can you see my thoughts, my yeah. feelings? No, yeah. you are... Hang on, you are not a mind reader, Isaac. I know I see you can. A you can see a thought I bubble above you my head. head. No. There okay, you go. well, generally, yeah. well, you can see my thoughts through. What did you say there? Feelings. Through feelings. Okay, but generally, you can't see all the thoughts that I'm having in my head. Can you see my uh, sort of my, my thoughts, my feelings, my secrets? Yes. You can't see that all by. Yes, yeah, yeah. Okay, we're yes. going to move on from that. I don't. I don't think you can see all that just by looking at me. Can you see everything that I've ever thought or said or done? Okay, you're saying yes. What did did I have for breakfast on the 29th of March, 1986? 15 million pounds of No, I didn't. So you can't see everything that I've ever thought and said and done or everything that I will ever think and say and do. Can, remember, you don't, you're pretending you don't know me. Can you see my motives? Do you know why I do things? Yes, you can see, yes, you can yes. see what I do. Yes. Yes. Okay. I? I'm, I'm, I'm getting the wrong, I'm getting the wrong answers here, but yes. that's fine. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah, but generally, you can't see what, you can see what a person does, but you can't see why they do what they do can you see from just looking at a person how much love they've got in their hearts no. you can't we can't see all of this but you know God sees all of this and more God knows us even better than we know ourselves Now I'm going to show you a picture of two guys you tell me whether you think they're good or bad first one is he good or bad, bad. second one second. good or bad yes. okay it's interesting you think the first guy is bad and the second guy is good, and you've made that um, assumption just by looking at them. But you know, by just by looking at a person, we can't tell whether that person was... was if we have it back up, we can't tell... We have those two guys back up, just go back one. We can't tell by looking at them whether they're good or bad. They've probably been told to look like that for the photo. And other times they'd look very different to that. We can't tell. Um... we only see what's on the outside, but God sees what's on the inside. He sees our heart, our mind, our soul, our thoughts, our feelings, our motives. God sees the whole lot. He knows everything about us. And what's on the inside is what really counts with God. Anyway, Samuel uh, looks at Jesse's sons, the seven of them. He looks at them one after the other. And each time, God says to Samuel, no, this is not the one, until there are none left. There are no more sons left in front of him. And and Samuel says, well, have you got any more sons? And Jesse says, well, I've got one more. I've got my youngest son, but he's out in the fields tending the sheep. He's a shepherd. Now, people often ask why the youngest son uh, wasn't there with the others, but anyone who's ever been a parent to teenagers will know that they have a habit of doing their own thing. So Jesse wasn't there, but Jesse is... is uh, sorry, David wasn't there. Um, that's Jesse's youngest son, but he was sent for. And when he arrives, God says to Samuel, Rise and anoint him. This is the one. To anoint him meant to pour oil on his head. That's what they did to show who God had chosen to be king. And then the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. And that was confirmation that this was God's choice. David would be Israel's future king. But Saul is still king, isn't he? And you know, Saul was getting sad and depressed and angry. Uh, we would probably now say that he had significant mental health problems, but there was a spiritual root to that. And um, so David gets taken into Saul's service to play the lyre. Because uh, that was very soothing for Saul, the, the, the music m- lifted him out of these very dark moods that he had. Now, just out of interest, do you know what a lyre is? Let's just have this next slide. So, David played one of these instruments. Let's see if you can tell me which, you, just by raising your hands. Who thinks A? Mm, Anna, maybe, maybe. Okay. Who thinks B? Who thinks C? Okay, that looks like a, the kind of instrument, does it? Who thinks D? Well, I'm I'm going to say I'm glad no one thinks the kazoo, but you, I think perhaps you're joking. David didn't play the kazoo, but he played B, which is a lyre. It's like a little harp. That's the instrument that David played to make Saul come out of these dark moods uh, that he had. Now, you may remember that Israel's enemies were the Philistines, and they came to attack Israel. So the Philistines were up on one hill, and then there was a valley in the middle, and the Israelites were up on the opposite hill. And the Philistines had a ginormous warrior called, do you know his name? What's his name? Goliath. Goliath, word on Isaac. Uh, he was a giant of a man, and he carried huge weapons, including this massive spear. And the point of his spear weighed a lot. It was made of iron. And uh, this was the, actually the transition from the Bronze Age to the Iron Age. So iron was like the, the latest technology. So this iron spearhead, it weighed a lot. I'm going to see if you can guess how much it weighed. So I've got a bag, basically a bag of rice. Who's going to help me guess how much? Who Do you want to help me, David? Who wants to help me guess how much? Okay, Lucci, your hand went straight up. Okay so take this you take that there okay well, let's put let's put that on the uh, there, there. so I'm not going to show you in there I'm going to put one bag of rice there's one kilo in there do you think that's how much your spearhead weighed no, no. more or less um, more More. okay you tell me what about that more 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 <laughs> keep going <laughs> keep going <laughs> that's it that's how much it weighed. Is that heavy? Nah. No. No. <laughs> well, I'd say that's pretty heavy. That's, that's seven kilos. Nah. That's a, that's not heavy. Imagine trying to throw that. I mean, what, imagine trying to, what, what kind of man could throw a spear with a seven kilo spear? I know you could, Alucci. You found that light, but seven kilos is quite heavy to be throwing as a spear. Well, let me tell you, let me tell you what kind of man, there's some rare people uh, who grow to be absolutely huge, almost like giants, and normally they have a medical condition called gigantism. I bet you've never heard of Andre the Giant, girls over there, don't worry about that. I bet you've never heard of Andre the Giant, adults, anyone heard of Andre the Giant? He He was a wrestler when I was growing up. And he was massive. Let's have a photo of Andre. So go back one. Go back one. So this is Andre the Giant drinking a glass of wine. Look at the size of his hands compared to a, a, a wine glass. This guy is huge. Go on to the next one. And this is Andre with a professional boxer. Okay. So that's Andre the Giant. And I bet you, who knows Shrek? Did you know that Shrek is actually, this is true, based on a real person called Maurice Tillett? Look, if you go to that man, that man had gigantism, and they, that's not a joke. They actually based Shrek on this famous man called Morris Tillett. So now you know where you can see you can see the resemblance. So, so we've seen a couple of modern day giants. Let's get back to Goliath. Okay, every day he went out to the Israelites and he shouted a challenge. He said, "Send one man." your best warrior, to come and fight me. And if he defeats me, we the Philistines will be your slaves. But if you, uh, or if, or if he defeats me, then you, no. we will, I've got this wrong, haven't I? He said, <laughs> he, you know what he said. I'm struggling to say what he said. He said, if your man defeats me, we will be your slaves. And if I defeat your man, you will be our slaves. Do you think anyone wanted to fight Goliath? No. No, you you'd you'd like to. You'd like to. No way. No way. It it's squashy like that. Okay. Listen. So, listen. No one wanted to fight Goliath. And after 40 days, David came to the front line with food for his brothers. Obviously, David wasn't old enough to join the army. And he heard Goliath's challenge, and everyone was terrified of Goliath. And David said, what will we done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? See, often when we see a problem, whatever that problem is, we forget that God is bigger than the problem. All we see is this big problem in front of us. We forget how big God is. But David didn't forget. David knew that his God could do anything. Anyway, Saul, the king, he hears what David is saying. And so he sends for David. And David is convinced that with God's help, he can defeat Goliath. Because when he was a shepherd, a bear came to attack the sheep. And he um, fought off the bear and killed the bear. When a a lion came to attack his sheep and he defeated the lion with God's help. So he's convinced that he could defeat Goliath. And eventually, Saul very reluctantly agreed to let this boy, David, go and fight Goliath on behalf of Israel. And this really shows how desperate Saul was, doesn't it? But also, I think it shows that Saul was impressed by David's tremendous faith in God. So David takes his sling and his shepherd's staff and he goes and collects five smooth stones from the stream. Now, the stones were probably about that size. okay. And if you were experienced with a sling, and you're good uh at using this, this sling, you could get one of these traveling at about 160 kilometers per hour. That's super fast. That's deadly. So David goes out to meet Goliath. What do you think Goliath did when he sees this boy walking towards him with no armor and no weapons and only a shepherd's staff? Maybe he couldn't have even seen the sling. He he laughed, Aluchi. Was that what you were going to say, Jenny? He laughed and he laughed and he laughed. And he said, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? Come here and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. Mm-hmm. pretty scary, isn't it? But David wasn't put off. David said, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. Again, that's getting pretty serious. But who who did David put his trust in? Did he put his trust in himself? He put his trust in God, didn't he? He didn't put his trust in himself, but in God. What do you think happened next? He defeated Goliath. He defeated Goliath. David got his sling and he hurled a stone, went flying through the air and it hit Goliath on the forehead right between the eyes. And Goliath toppled forwards and fell to the ground with a tremendous thud. And that was the end of him. Now, There's an obvious message. There's something we can take away from this. What do you think we can learn from this? We're going to go for the obvious one first and then the less obvious one. Uh, Lucci, what do you think? That you say God is bigger than us, better than us, and He defeated Goliath. Okay, that's summary of what you said, kind of. Yeah, yeah. So that, that that's right. I mean, and what what else, Jenny? To believe in God and not only yourself, absolutely. Anna, did you have one? No. And and it, uh, if we put it up on the screen, it, you know, generally talking, we, we with God's help we can conquer big problems. Problems that we might not be able to sort out by ourselves, but with God's help, we can conquer big problems. But you know, that's probably not even the main point of this whole narrative. I know if you just look around. So there's something else for us to discover. And for us to get there, I'm going to ask you some questions. So I told you to remember this at the beginning. Let's see if anyone did. Who remembers where David came from? Bethlehem. Now, can we think of anyone else who started life in Bethlehem? Cassie. He Jesus. He was born in Bethlehem, wasn't he? Now, what did David do in Bethlehem? What was he doing when Samuel went to, to see his father and his brothers uh, to Ropah? David was a shepherd. And Jesus said that he is the good. Don't have to put your hand up. They, Jesus is the good. King the good king but also the good Uh, the good shepherd so david was anointed king wasn't he david was anointed king do you remember the sign on jesus's cross there was a sign nailed to jesus's cross can you remember what it said if we have the next slide if you can read aramaic greek or latin You'll get a clue from the slide, but if you're like me, you can't read those. You might have to remember. Can anyone remember what was written on Jesus' cross? Now we'll come back to you. Anyone else? On Jesus' cross, above his head, it said, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. So you see, David was a king, but Jesus was a king. David was a shepherd. Jesus is the good shepherd. David was born in Bethlehem, Jesus was born in Bethlehem. but Jesus is the only real king, the king that's worth giving our lives to and our putting all our hope and our trust in. You see, David was Israel's champion, but Jesus is our champion. Jesus' successes are our successes, and Jesus' victory is our victory. Jesus won not just on behalf of Israel like David did, but on behalf of of the whole world. And you know, the, the enemy, the opponent that Jesus faced was much scarier than Goliath. He, he Jesus faced sin and death and all the powers of evil. And in a way, Jesus looks weak, doesn't he? He looks weak when he's nailed to a cross, when people are laughing at him and spitting at him. He looks weak like David coming forwards uh, as a, a very small boy. He looked weak to Goliath. But even though Jesus died, after three days, he rose to new and everlasting life. And he defeated death. He conquered sin and death. He has the victory, not just for one nation, but for everyone who will put their hope and their trust in him. So you see, Goliath, and the story of the David and Goliath, it does teach us. Of course, it teaches us that God can help us to overcome big problems. But far more important than that, uh, David points forwards to Christ, who's overcome the ultimate enemy of sin and death on our behalf. Should we pray? <laughs> Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this amazing narrative that we read about in 1 Samuel, David and Goliath. We love this story. It's, it's so well known. But we pray that we recognize that this is actually pointing forwards to the seeming weakness of Christ, and his ability to overcome uh, the worst of enemies. We pray, Heavenly Father, that we will have hearts of grateful obedience to you this morning for all that you've done for us, done on our behalf. And we worship you, and we uh, pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.